Welcome to the wonderful world of wealth tech. This is the Wealth Tech Today podcast, and I am your host, Craig Iskowitz. I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We are uh, experts in everything that is wealth tech. We work with banks, broker-dealers, asset managers, uh, uh, and RIA aggregators and their fintech vendors. Don't forget the fintech vendors to help them make better technology decisions. On this podcast, I interview some of the, uh, the people who have uh, cutting-edge thoughts and cutting-edge systems and cutting-edge services uh, in our industry, although this is not that podcast. Uh, this episode is news. We're doing a news roundup. I did one last year and everyone liked it and I was just lazy and didn't do it anymore. So we're doing another one. I'm going to try to do one of these a month, uh, usually the first week of the month and round up. Not every news story. There's too much news. Man, do you feel that way? Like we're overwhelmed with news? There's just too much out there. I picked, I was going to pick five stories, but then I really liked a couple other ones. So I made it seven. So the seven stories we're covering are InvestClub merges with Tegra 118. Invesco is consolidating all their little wealth tech pieces and baubles and baubles under the IntelliFlow brand. Story two, story three is Betterment launches custom model portfolios. Story four is Vestwell and Franklin Templeton partner to deliver managed accounts to retirement plan advisors. Story five, Broadridge Software can predict when clients are going to leave. Are you kidding me? Can't wait to see that one. And story six, InvestNet Money Guide launches financial planning APIs. And the seventh story is Goldman launches Marcus Invest. There's a lot here, a lot to talk about. I already went long on this episode. I apologize. Hope you stick with it all the way through. Uh, give me some feedback. Remember to go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and sign up for our newsletter just once a month. Some stories, some articles, some ideas from me that we're sharing with you. Uh, check out what we have on the website and let me know what you think. And we're going to kick off the episode right now. Right, let's get started with our first story, which is uh, InvestCloud merges with Tegra 118. Uh, this was actually big news last month, but I didn't do a recap last month. I wanted to cover it uh, because this is really my area of expertise. I work with a lot of these firms. Uh, disclaimer, I've worked uh, for Tegra 118 in the past and done uh, consulting work for them. So let's talk about this merger and, and what it means. And I'm going to read through some articles that were posted about this merger and some people's comments and then throw in some of my comments. So I'm sure you've heard that there was a, a merger of three firms. Uh, it's uh, InvestCloud merging with Tegra 118 and Fanantix. Uh, Fanantix being a company based in Italy. And this is uh, was big news, especially considering Tegra 118 was just spun off of from Fiserv just last year, just a, a year ago, in fact, uh, February. And it uh, barely got time to sort of mature as its own or even to start as its own firm with its new name before it was taken over and now has another new name. There was a recapitalization of InvestCloud and there was some confusion over the, the valuation. When, it, when the press release went out, it said there was a billion dollar valuation uh, of the, the the combined firms, which didn't make much sense, because 
uh, Tegra when they were purchased from Fiserv, I believe the valuation was $850 million. Yep. So going from 850 to just to 1 billion by adding InvestCloud and Fanatics didn't make much sense. Uh, so I did a little digging and spoke to some people uh, who spoke to Motive and they said that the actual combined deal with InvestCloud, uh, the valuation was 2.2 billion. So the InvestCloud business itself was a billion. So Tegra plus Fanatics was another 1.2 billion, which makes a lot more sense. So the recapitalization was led by Motive Partners, who purchased uh, 60% of uh, Tegra 118, or the former Fiserv Investment Services from Fiserv, uh, as well as Clear Lake Capital Group. And some other interesting partners were, uh, I believe, uh, Accenture and uh, City Ventures, as well as Fiserv. So I guess Fiserv hung on to some of their uh, holdings in Tegra, or maybe even added some more. So just going back in time a bit, one of the reasons why um, I felt that Tegra 118 was undervalued as, an, as a, a business unit of Fiserv was it, it just never really fit with what Fiserv's core business was, which was core banking services and payment processing, especially after their huge merger, uh, which was, I think, three years ago. Um, yeah, they merged with First Data. So that, that, that turned into a huge, a $22 billion merger just made it a, a, you know, a tremendously large firm, uh, which made um, the Tegra part much, much smaller and, and really didn't fit at all with, with their banking and, and payments uh, processing uh, a business model. So I think they really should have sold it years ago, um, but they didn't. Um, so they finally get out of it. And now if they did invest more, that's um, surprising, but good news because uh, they really could use some more, some more cash uh, to keep building out their technology and InvestCloud is going to need some money to do this integration. It's not going to be cheap there as, as most integrations are not cheap. I think um, there was a quote from Oleg Tishkovich, uh, CEO of invent.us. I don't know the details of the deal, but it's certainly going to be a challenging project to integrate all of these systems together. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, I, I know a fair amount about InvestCloud. I know a lot more about, about Tegra systems. And yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult as it is. It's not specifically um, about InvestCloud or Tegra. It's just any two companies that, that grew up separately that have very different technology bases. You know, Tegra is based on, uh, well, it started 30 years ago. So their technology has evolved. Uh, it's, it's much, it's really built more towards large scale enterprise firms. And InvestCloud is, is looking to go in that direction. Although their, their tech came from a different uh, point of view, just to back up a second. So Tegra, was called uh, Security APL many years ago. It was founded over 30 years ago in Chicago, then was purchased by a company called Check Free, I believe in the 90s, 96, 97. Uh, and Check Free was, a, a, was a, one of the first e-check processors, electronic check processing companies. Why they bought APL, I don't know. Maybe to diversify. And then in 2007, Fiserv bought Check Free, mainly for their e-check processing services. And the APL part just sort of came along with it. And it was sort of the redheaded stepchild for 10 or more years uh, until uh, Motive uh, carved it out. Uh, didn't, didn't do them any favors by, by keeping them uh, sort of stuck in a corner. Uh, so this new firm, this new InvestCloud uh, firm now with, uh, with Tegra's backing, really the, on paper, it looks great. Uh, Tegra uh, has a great backend technology, very scalable. Uh, they've got experience working with wirehouses, which InvestCloud does not, uh, although InvestCloud does have some work with uh, JP Morgan, 
but only for their digital um, tools, not for the backend portfolio accounting, really the heavy lifting of, of portfolio management. So this is, is a great uh, purchase for InvestCloud or a great merger for InvestCloud as they're gonna be the, over, the overlay of this business. So reading some other quotes, um, international scale is a key factor to InvestCloud's future according to Alois Perker. Uh, research director for Aite Group's wealth management practice. And Alois is a really smart guy, really knows the industry. There's very few wealth tech firms that are really playing globally, he said. Typically, when it comes to front office advisor tools, those products become a regional affair. Now, Pfizer, uh, or the Tegra One Teams, does have some overseas uh, business. I know they've got some, some work in the UK, some UK uh, and some EU um, business, but it's a very small part of their of their revenue, uh, I think a vast majority is, is US-based. So, um, and I know that uh, InvestCloud's got a strong presence in the UK, in London. Uh, you know, they bought a UK company uh, whose name is escaping me. It was a firm with a portfolio management uh, software platform uh, that was actually owned by John Wise's brother, surprisingly. And that gave them their portfolio accounting, portfolio management uh, uh, core technology. So they've they've got some 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 decent uh, global presence that'll that'll be helpful for the, the combined firm if they can uh, push that out. Although I don't believe that Tegra's uh, backend technology is multi-currency yet, so that's something that they will be working on. Uh, ultimately, the deal adds another end-to-end competitor in the advisor platform business, according to Chip Rome, managing partner at Tiburon Strategic Advisors. His quote, InvestCloud lacked a portfolio accounting engine, uh, which I just mentioned. Uh, Tegra lacked enough front-end technology. Together, they are far more comprehensive and will compete more head-to-head with InvestNet and Orion. So that's definitely true that uh, Fiserv or rather Tegra 118 was never known for their front-end. Um, they, were, they were definitely more of a back-end company and uh, where InvestCloud is, is way more known for front-end. They're very strong with their client portal and with their digital tools. Also very good with marketing. Uh, they, they do a very good job of presenting their technology with their periodic table of elements. Uh, just a little history on InvestCloud. They uh, merged with a company uh, called Lightport, uh, I believe in 2010, which is uh, how they really exploded onto the scene, mainly with client portals. That was Lightport's strength. They had about 700 clients. I know I had a conversation with the former founder of Lightport a few years back, and uh, he saw it. InvestCloud's technology as being better than his. And uh, they did an equity swap. And that's where InvestCloud really got their leg up in the wealth business. And they've been focusing, they were mainly a client portfolio, uh, sorry, client portal company for many years until they started building out their uh, other, other tools and other components and buying up some other firms. So they came at it from that angle. And from people I spoke to, I've spoken to uh, a very strong client portal a lot of RIA clients, a lot of asset management clients really like the, the strength of the portal and the digital advice solution. So those are, are two specific tools that Tegra 118 does not have. So a good fit there. Uh, motive partners, motive partners. The What's the next thing? So they paid uh, $510 million for Tegra a year ago, motive partners. Uh, that was for 40 or 60% of that division. They then put in some more money. Um, I don't have the number here. I apologize um, for this new venture, uh, again, with a $2.2 billion valuation, uh, right? The consolidation means the FinTech now has in excess of 4 trillion in assets. And most of that is the Tegra part. 
uh, and revenues over 285 million. Uh, I'd like to see that go up a bit uh, based on the valuation uh, with a team of over 900 people, according to the announcement. A great quote from my good friend, Doug Fritz, the founder and CEO of F2 Strategy. Maybe one plus one plus one equals five or six, uh, Doug said. Uh, and that's that was that's really what's got to happen here. When you're when you're playing with PE money, they're not looking just for a, a you know a ten or twenty percent return on their investment. They want three, four, five, x or more uh, over you know five to seven years. So they really need to goose this and and turn this into something that um, is more than the sum of its parts. The combined company has over five hundred direct clients. Now that number, I believe, is heavily skewed onto the InvestCloud side with their client portal and digital wealth clients. Um, uh, the Tegra is more about quality over quantity. They've got very large clients: Wells Fargo, Merrill Lynch, you know, Charles Schwab, um, uh, Raymond James. You know, so they're they're really on the high on the, on the big iron, the really big big firm. So not a lot of clients, but quality, very high and very large scale enterprise clients. Uh, let's see, seven of the top 10 broker dealers, that's the Tegra side, plus 120 asset managers, that's a mix. But again, on the, I believe on the InvestCloud side is mainly uh, the asset managers using their client portals, whereas uh, the Tegra side, the asset managers are using portfolio accounting, portfolio management, and linking to sponsors to uh, send models. Uh, here's another quote from Doug, InvestCloud was the icing before the cake. Tegra Money team brings old school reliability, it's old software, but it works for a UMA, a unified managed accounts, SMA, separately managed accounts, portfolio rebalancing, and other nuts and bolts. Old school guys like me love it. Go, Doug. Now I'm an old school guy too. Uh, you definitely got to love uh, that software that does everything, that the UMA chassis, where they can put basically anything on that platform uh, in an account. You can put a mutual fund wrap into a UMA sleeve. Works really well. Uh, Tegra Money Team CEO, Cheryl Nash comes uh, on as the CEO of the Financial Supermarket Division, great name, and Fanatics CEO, Christine Mar Siriani, will become the CEO of the Private Banking Division. That's another diamond in the rough, I think. That's an area that also, um, I believe Invest Club was trying to get into. Uh, I don't know if they had a lot of success there. Um, definitely something Tegra White team did not get into. So another great fit for that, that company, it really gives them a great breadth across multiple segments of the market. Both will join Global Invest Clouds, Invest Clouds Global Management Team reporting to CEO John Weiss. So, uh, oh, here's something from RIA Biz. Uh, Invest Cloud long tagged as Investnet Killer, sold at $1 billion valuation, it's really 2 billion. Uh, I've never heard Invest Cloud called it Investnet Killer. So I don't know where that came from. Um, I don't think they were in the past. Uh, maybe they are now, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they are because everyone, we always need more competition. Uh, competition is good for the industry in general, and you need firms to push each other to get better. So I'm looking forward to seeing big things from the new InvestCloud financial supermarkets and InvestCloud itself um, in the industry and providing some new technology, seeing how these, these technologies integrate and listening for uh, some announcements coming soon of new platforms and new services, new products out of this great merger and there's some smart people there. Uh, I expect some great things from them. Right, next up uh, in our stories for this episode, we're gonna talk about Invesco bringing together all their wealth tech capabilities under the IntelliFlow brand. So Invesco, as we all know, is a, a large asset manager and they own a number of properties. 
including Teleflow, Gemstep, Red Black, Portfolio Pathway, and a company called I4C, which they've acquired, and they're bringing them all under one brand into an integrated financial advice solution. Uh, of course, we'll put the link to the stories uh, on the blog. And so why are they doing this? So well, why do they buy these things in the first place when they're an asset manager? So we're seeing asset managers increasingly using fintech acquisitions to expand their footprints with their core market, which is RIAs. Uh, uh, my friend uh, Tim Welsh, who was president of Nexus Strategy, uh, had a quote, asset managers see fintech as a way to diversify revenue in the age of passive low cost index funds. It's all about distribution, he says, as wholesale becomes less and less important and as more investment products become commoditized, distribution is king. And he's correct. So asset managers see other ways to distribute their product is through technology and getting onto the advisor's desktop has become very important, especially in light of the, the, uh, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, which is BlackRock and their use of technology, their, their brilliant use of technology, uh, starting with Aladdin, their, their core risk uh, platform, and then branching out into building a lot of uh, their own RIA focused, advisor focused technology like uh, iRetire, uh, their, their uh, portfolio performance evaluator, 360 degree evaluator, their stress testing, tax evaluation, you know, all those different tools, all for free, uh, and giving advisors really strong um, uh, tools that they can use to service their clients. Plus their acquisition of future advisor, which I don't think went so well, but it's still working, it's still out there. And I, I gave them a digital advice platform, which has got uh, some decent traction in banks. And plus their 5% stake in Investnet, gives them a seat at the table and visibility into what Investnet's doing, plus another way to to get the distribution out through Investnet's huge model marketplace and huge uh, asset management um, uh, universe. So Invesco is under a lot of pressure, as are a lot of asset managers looking for ways to, to, to stay, stay in business, not get swallowed up. Um, I mean, looking at the top 50 asset managers, Invesco isn't even the top 10. Uh, looking at the data from 2020, they're number 16. They're just over a trillion in assets. Uh, Boston Consulting Group put out a report uh, saying there'll be two viable business models for asset managers in the decade to come. The, there'll be boutique alpha shops that deliver consistent superior performance or, and the scale distribution powerhouses with more than a trillion in assets. So as I mentioned, uh, Invesco does have just more than a trillion, but there's only gonna be so many of these scale plays that can stay uh, viable. And uh, Invesco wants to be one of those. So they're snapping up properties or technology firms that they think have unique capabilities and hopefully that they think can be merged together into uh, uh, you know, more than the sum of the parts, as we've seen in other, other stories as well. Uh, it took them a while to do this. And they bought Gemstep uh, back in 2016, January 2016. I'm just looking at my notes here. And that's you know, five years before they wound up merging it. Uh, I think they, they tried to, to push that out and, and get some traction with just that. It wasn't working too well. Not that Gemstep is bad. It's, it's some very good technology, uh, very strong in the uh, digital advice space. And they pivoted into banks and credit unions from RIAs, which was a smart move. Uh, you know, they got uh, a lot more than just the onboarding. They got SOC 2 compliance and Office of the Control of the Currency compliance, all the things that banks need, uh, which is a huge lift, much bigger than what RIAs need. So I think there's a lot of inter enterprise institutional knowledge on, on the GemStep team that Invesco can leverage. And then, you know, they needed more because GemStep is just the onboarding uh, you know, the digital advice part, and they needed some other tools. So bringing in 
portfolio pathway, which is another, another property that uh, Invesco owns, which is a full featured RIA platform. They have everything from portfolio management, rebalancing, trade order management, performance reporting, billing, a mobile app, a client portal, pretty much end to end. Although it's still low, uh, small in terms of market share, the portfolio pathway isn't, isn't one of the, the leaders in the market yet. Uh, and it's, it's going to be tougher than the break in, but I think merging with these other tools could give them a leg up in some, some respects, especially with the red black acquisition that they made, I believe two years ago, maybe it was a year and a half ago. Uh, we really love the red black uh, portfolio management, portfolio rebalancing solution. You know, on our, on our research and Ezra group research, we do a lot of research on uh, advisor tools, both RIAs and, and broker dealer tools and red black was one of the few standalone portfolio rebalancing tools on the market for a while while they were getting snapped up and acquired. And they finally got acquired. Uh, so it was smart for uh, Invesco to do that. We really liked what Red Black had to offer, a very robust solution, also very good in, in the bank space, uh, surprisingly. Uh, when they were very quiet about it. You know, they didn't, was, they weren't well known uh, that they had that kind of market share in the bank space, but they were very good with integrating with bank systems, trade order management systems, other execution platforms, uh, and also having uh, very strong workflow capabilities for their, their rebalancer. So I th I'd like to see what they do with that. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, they merge it under the IntelliFlow platform. And IntelliFlow is very big in the UK, uh, something like 40% market share for their uh, office, intelligent office system software. And the, the way they're going to do this is break it up into a digital and um, portfolio management. So they're going to have two different solutions, breaking up the, the, the original IntelliFlow plus GemStep into one piece and then the red, black and portfolio pathway in the other piece and sell it that way. I think they'll, off, of course, offer them both if firms want them. And then they have the, something called I4C, which is I, the number four, the letter C, uh, cash flow modeling software which is being uh, renamed IntelliFlow Planning. So interesting to see how they integrate that. I love to, I, lo I really would like to see more integrated planning solutions into the end-to-end -end RIA platforms rather than having them stand alone. Uh, now, this is a, a trend uh, of asset management firms buying up tech players. We saw Franklin Templeton buying Advisor Engine. Uh, that was just uh, this year or just last year. And Advisor Engine had previously bought Juncture, one of the, one of the, the leading CRM providers. And then Principal Financial Group uh, bought Robust Wealth, which was a smaller TAMP RIA type platform. And I think Invesco uh, is, is, is being smart here. They really didn't want to go the way of Wisdom Tree, who wound up taking a $30 million bath on their advisor engine investment before they sold out to Franklin Templeton. They really want to make a play with this. And uh, it's, it's wise to do that. If you're going to invest, you, know, you want to go all the way. You want to make something that's, that's uh, differentiated because I wrote an article couple months ago called 50 portfolio management systems can't all survive. You can find that on keatses.com. And it's saying exactly what the title says. How will all these portfolio management solutions stay in business? How many do we need in the industry? And it's tough to go up against the big four, uh, Tamarack, Orion, Morningstar, and Black Diamond, where they have a, a very large market share. And it's tough to replace a portfolio management solution. You don't just turn it on, turn off a new one. Uh, it's not that simple. So it's a tough road. You really need something unique and you need to have um, uh, options and, um, and solutions that, that speak to advisors and give them uh, reasons to purchase and reason to put all the effort in to make the, 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 to do the work of implementation, changing everything over, you know, retraining your staff. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Invesco is doing and what uh, 
IntelliFlow does with their new tools, the new toys, and I'd love to see uh, some new solutions coming out of these guys. Hey, I'm going to interrupt this episode with a word from our sponsor. And it's one of my favorite sponsors, the charity Invest in Others. I really love this charity. I try to do as much work as I can for them, although it's not always easy to fit it in, but I try to make time for them. They are having their award finalists and winners. And uh, Invest in Others recognizes charitable work of financial advisors in communities across the country and around the world. There are four award categories, Catalyst, Community Service, Volunteer of the Year, and Lifetime Achievement. Winners or the finalists in all four categories will receive $20,000 each. That's what's great about this charity, that you give money to this, this one charity and they spread it out to a whole bunch of others. So you're really helping a lot of people. Uh, winners in the Catalyst, Community Service, and Volunteer of the Year categories each will receive $50,000. Nothing to shake a stick at. And the Lifetime Achievement Award winner will receive $75,000. Now, these aren't checks going to the advisor. These are checks for their charities, of course. So don't be confused there. So a lot of good money going to a lot of good causes. So um, April 2nd is the nomination deadline. Please go to investinothers.org and submit the name of any financial advisors that you know that uh, are doing good work for charity. It can be any kind of charity. It can be a local charity. It can be a national charity. It can be an international charity. Uh, I, I've been on some of the judging committees and some of the things that these advisors are doing and some of the charitable work that these firms are doing is incredible. It's a really good cause. The uh, application deadline is April 16th. And then in July, they're going to announce the finalists and I'll have that on, on the program sometime. And please check it out. Uh, mega donation. If you don't know an advisor, just give some money. They could really use it and it's going to go to a good cause. Invest in others. Our next story is Betterment launching custom model portfolios, now serving as an outsourced trading desk with software. What is Betterment for Advisors doing? Uh, this product was launched uh, as a white label version of Betterment's automated investing software, I believe back in 2014. And they've been the fastest growing business at Betterment, according to Betterment, that they grew 21% year over year. Uh, and have over 600 RIAs and 2,000 advisors, which sounds pretty good. Although I'm, I'm guessing the AUM is rather low considering it's a digital solution, but they won't break that out. Just my guess. But still, uh, that's pretty successful for uh, what they were looking for, uh, but uh, in terms of the traction overall in the market. And the, they've gradually added more functionality. Uh, in the beginning, you could only uh, invest in their proprietary model portfolios. They slowly added more, uh, adding BlackRock and Vanguard and other dimensional funds and other, other products that you could add to. But now they're offering custom models and what they're calling a white glove and concierge service. So why are they doing this? Well, the only reason I can think is that they're not getting enough business from their standard, here's a bunch of ETFs and a couple of models, just, just use that or even the standard model portfolios that you can get from those big third parties. It's just not enough. There's too much competition out there. You can buy BlackRock funds, Vanguard funds, DFA funds, anywhere. Uh, it's really not unique. There's no, there's no uniqueness. There's no differentiation in that anymore. Uh, the, the ability to offer a digital, what I call a self-directed onboarding solution, even though it's white labeled, is not unique either. 
there's there's plenty of firms that are doing that. So Betterment needs to figure out a way to differentiate. And this is how they're doing it by adding more people back into the mix. Uh, you know, you're taking a, a digital solution, which you claim has got a lot of scale and, you know, it's a lot, it's can support small, small accounts and the advisors don't need to be involved because it's self-directed and you realize you're not getting enough uptake, at least for a company with as much investing, uh, as much PE investment as Betterment has, you really need to grow uh, much larger and have a much larger asset base than apparently they have on their digital platform. So being able to offer this outsourced TAMP-like service, I can only call it a TAMP-like, even though they're, den they're denying it's a TAMP. Uh, it really is. I mean, we do a lot of research on the model portfolio space and the TAMP space. And there's really no one TAMP anymore. Everyone's looking at it from different directions. And there are TAMPs that are building out technology and becoming tech players and tech players building, buying TAMPs and becoming more TAMP-like. So there's really no one right or wrong way to do it anymore. So Betterment is looking to get into that space and be able to charge more. So they're building these white glove concierge services on top of what's supposed to be a digital, completely, you know, no touch offering. So it's interesting that they're doing that similar to how Wealthfront, is it Wealthfront or was it Betterment that they offered a hybrid advice uh, where you can get an advisor on their digital platform. They realized it just wasn't working the other way. So they're going to have to keep doing this and they're really never going to catch up, I don't think. It's just not possible. There's, there's too many options. There's too much out there. They've taken too much PE money. Uh, I, I'd like to see them see where they go with this. They're going to have to keep differentiating, keep adding more functionality and keep expanding until they're, they're basically a traditional firm, either a traditional fintech firm or a traditional asset management firm. And their whole robo platform kind of goes by the wayside. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been successful. I think they're over 30 billion now in assets, but that's really not that great. It's not that differentiated. Uh, there's lots of $30 billion uh, firms out there. And, you know, that, that kind of scale is, is uh, the numbers are, are growing much bigger in order to become that kind of a scale player. So interesting that they're doing this, uh, that they're offering these customized portfolios. Uh, I would expect them to keep going, uh, adding more functionality, adding more uh, differentiated. Right now it's only ETFs. So that's, that's a bit of a limiting factor, although it's true most RIAs only use ETFs, but still to get the higher fees, they're going to need to offer uh, equities and alternatives, maybe even fixed income, in order to move up, up market, which they appear to want to do. So that's where we see, uh, see them going. Uh, I, I would be surprised if they even get that much traction with this, although they have gotten some high profile clients uh, like Ritholz Wealth Management and Advice Period, but still the competition is fierce. Uh, it's gonna be tough for them to compete. And uh, I, I think they're gonna have to expand even further down the TAMP path if they want to get any market share. What is next? What is next? Franklin Templeton partners with Vestwell to deliver advisor managed account opening uh, offering in a modern record keeping construct. Who comes up with these titles? This is the title of the story. This is the title of their press release. The no wonder no one understands what we do in this industry. Well, anyway, um, so what is Vestwell? I'll give you the quick 30-second uh, overview. RoboTamp, robo-retirement platform for advisors managing company retirement plans. They are a digital record-keeping platform uh, bringing, as they say, 401k, 403b uh, retirement plan industry into the modern fintech era. So what is a record keeper exactly and, and why would anyone use Vestwell? So record keepers are essentially the bookkeepers for the retirement plans, hence the name. So the job of the record keeper is to track who's in the plan, what investments they own, what money is going in or out, stuff like that. A record keepers hold, I think, $5 trillion in retirement savings in their platforms. 
And before Vestwell um, and the Vestwell CEO, uh, Aaron Shum, super smart guy, industry leader, uh, serial entrepreneur, saw that basically record keepers are a bunch of old stodgy companies, not really keeping up with the time, bad tech, bad user interface, bad client experience. He said to change that, really, really killing it with Vestwell, got Bank of New York Mellon on board, got Goldman Sachs on board as investors. So doing a fantastic job. So what's this announcement about? They're launching a, a new product with Franklin, oh, I wish I could talk, with Franklin Templeton uh, to offer managed accounts in retirement plans. So why is that special? That's not necessarily special in itself, although it's nice to have. What's special is what Franklin Templeton's bringing to the table is their goals optimization engine. I happen to know a little bit about this. I saw a demo of another product that they're partnering with, uh, with Apex Clearing and Bamboo, which is a Singapore-based B2B robo platform to offer uh, a new product called Tango, which is a combination of robo-advisor and uh, clearing custody and there's goals optimization engine. So what's cool about this engine, as it was uh, demoed to me, is that it's smart enough to customize the models for different types of people that have different um, requirements and different life needs and different savings journeys, you know, saving journey, the, the, the hype, uh, the, 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 the term we're using now, savings journey. And what's interesting about it is um, it works within ranges. So if you, let's say most advisors create five buckets of a, a model for five different risk profiles, one being very conservative, five being very aggressive, usually you're in that model, that's it doesn't really change. What they're saying is those models are a range, you know, maybe one to 20 for the first bucket, 21 to 40 for the second bucket and so on. So you can make a range of portfolios in that uh, or a group of portfolios that are in that range and move people along the range as their life might change. So it's sort of like a target date fund, but more granular and more dynamic uh, which they say is going to be more efficient. It's going to provide better returns. It's going to be cheaper because it's optimized. It's using an algorithm. So that's what could be uh, delivered here or what they're planning to deliver inside of a retirement plan. So a 401k plan could have this much more granular, much more dynamic. And as they, as they, they propose more individualized advice, but it's automated at scale. Whereas every advisor if you've got a client and they've got enough money, you could customize a portfolio for them and change it as they go. Difficult to do with, let's say, if you're working with a large corporation and they've got 5,000 employees. You can't do that for every single employee. So they're hoping this uh, goals optimization engine plugged into Vestwell's platform, then offered through advisors to companies all over the, all over the country uh, who are running different 401k or 403b plans can have this, uh, this unique individualized experience that adjusts itself ongoing as the investors' lives progress. Now, um, what I saw was pretty basic. And when I saw the demo of their uh, their distributed, not distributed, their, their digital advice platform that's called Tango. That's for Apex, by the way. I'm sorry, I'm mixing my uh, companies up here. So Apex and, 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 and um, uh, Apex and Franklin Templeton are partnering and now Vestwell and Franklin Templeton are partnering, both using the goals optimization engine. So it sounds like some smart people. So I respect, you know, uh, you know Bill uh, Capuzzi and Trish Rothschild and all the people over at Apex. So they like the, this goals engine. And then Aaron Shum likes the goals engine. This goals engine sounds like something pretty good. 
it's got it's got a future here. So I, I look out for more announcements of as Franklin Templeton keeps partnering with more people uh, and puts the, pushes their goals optimization engine out into more platforms could become the de facto standard for scalable financial advice. Why do investors leave their advisors? There are a number of reasons. One could be poor communication, not returning phone calls or emails timely, not being proactive, or their advisor changes firms and they don't want to go with them to the new firm. Or poor performance. That's always a popular one. Also, maybe just they don't give good advice. They're not empathetic. Uh, maybe their technology is bad. There's lots of reasons why. Now, according to some survey results I found, uh, here's one from Price Metrics that says the average financial advisor will lose 10% of his or her clients every year. That's a pretty big chunk. I saw another survey, well, this is one from 2016. That, by the way, that 10% price metrics number was in an article from 2020. Here's a 2016 article from Cerulli saying, um, this is talking about high fees. So there's another, another reason why clients leave, high fees. 5% uh, of wirehouse clients leave their advisors due to high fees. And 16% leave IBDs and 20% left dual registered advisors. So it's kind of a wide range, 10 to 20%. That's a lot to lose every year. It's a, that's a huge churn. And that requires a lot of uh, prospecting and a lot of onboarding of new clients. So if there was just a way to maybe know which clients are going to leave before they are ready to leave and you can save them, before you're trying to get them on the way out, which is much harder, that would be great. Really be fantastic. So who has done this? Looks like Broadridge might have done this. At least they claim they have. Broadridge has announced uh, with proprietary software or with a, an AI firm called Fligoo. Um, I'm saying that right. Fligoo. F-L-I-G-O-O. Fligoo. Fligoo sounds funnier. Fligoo. Broadridge and Fligoo are launching a proprietary software product to anticipate investor behavior and improve advisor performance. And they claim with 95% accuracy, they can predict when clients are going to leave. I want to see that. Can they predict? Because then all these different ideas, all these different reasons are why clients leave. Clients have different plans, different ages, different personalities, advisors are different. So the fact that they can pull data, you know, obviously big data, machine learning, uh, looking at patterns, using data from marketing, communications, compliance, trading, and other wealth management services. They claim their predictive models can, can uh, give advisors a, a heads up when clients are going to leave. Oh, and here's another piece of data. Uh, advisors who reported losing any business said they lost one fifth of their book. Uh, actually, that's last year during COVID. So uh, during one survey. So that's still a lot, still low in that range. Still a lot of people uh, heading out the door. So if they can do this, and then you know, I, I would imagine they'll build into their existing systems. And we all know that uh, Broadridge uh, has, has got some pretty wide range of products and services, and they're, they're really uh, big in the enterprise space. So they can build it into some of the other tools. Could be a pretty viable offering and, and could really attract a lot of, at least on the enterprise side, getting a lot of advisors at scale. If they could even just reduce that churn by a couple percentage points, you're probably talking millions of dollars in revenue uh, saved by some of the bigger broker dealers. So I'd love to see when this product comes out and can they really do it? We will see. I'm getting the high sign from my producer that I'm running long. I'm talking too much, uh, commenting on these news stories. So I'm gonna try to wrap up these last two uh, quickly if I can. So the last two stories are Money Guy Pro launches financial planning APIs. 
That's uh, the second, the penultimate story. Monday Pro launching financial planning APIs. The world is becoming an API world. I, I know I did a podcast on this, I think, uh, with Brian Ross from uh, FixFlyer, uh, the API economy. And everything's becoming API based. Everything is becoming as a service, just put as a service after whatever the product or service is. And that's where everything's going to be in the future. And hopefully these APIs will be easier to connect to. They'll be uh, more um, standardized. So it's easier to connect different services, even if they have different backends, uh, they're on different cloud platforms, they use different front end software. You can be able to plug and play these different uh, technologies. So good to see Money Guide doing this. They're calling it Money Guide Engine, which is allowing uh, other partners to take advantage of the different calculations and, and data processing that goes on inside Money Guide. That includes goals-based investing, long-term financial planning, and self-directed planning. This could be great for a lot of firms, especially broker-dealers looking to build their own experiences for other vendors. And we work with a lot of firms at Ezra Group, my, my company, that are trying to build unique experiences either uh, on top of financial planning tools or alongside of financial planning tools or somehow integrating financial planning-like functions into other uh, parts of the advisor process. So having these, uh, these APIs that are better documented, better supported, will be key to building out this software because everyone's under pressure to deliver quickly. And just because a firm says that they integrate with something or they they have availability of something doesn't mean it's going to work. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy to use. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy uh, to learn how to use it uh, or easy to integrate or not have bugs in it. And Money Guide has been one of the best when it comes to integrations. I know, uh, I think I did my first project uh, related to uh, evaluating integration uh, capabilities at firms over 10 years ago, I think it's 2009. And Money Guide and eMoney were one of the first ones we looked at and they were leading the pack then, they're still leading the pack. And especially in how they present the information, it's on their website. This is great for consultants. You know, if I'm working with a broker dealer, asset manager or other firm, and I wanna know who does Money Guide inter interface with and, and what data do they provide? It's all on their website. I just click on a link here. Like they've got 200 different um, uh, vendors here that they work with. You know, if I click on Adapar, I can see that they integrate web services, they auto update the client portal and data passed from the partner includes investments and liabilities and nothing going to the partner. So we can find something going to the partner on the website here. Let's pick the next one, um, advice pay. You know, seamless sign on. So that's all they have with advice pay and so on. If I pick Allbridge, there's gonna be more investments, seamless sign-on, web services. Sorry, Morningstar. Oh, there we go, Morningstar will pass investment assets um, into, into Money Guide. So, and I can see that right from their website. This kind of transparency makes it so much easier to do planning, to do, to do um, software development. I, I wish more firms would follow Money Guide's lead and build out their APIs in similar ways. And, and make sure that they're supportable and again, well-documented with examples. Give me examples when I'm building my code. I wanna see how I can plug in your APIs and exactly how to do it. So kudos to Money Guide uh, for this. And I'm expecting a lot of firms we work with, a lot of startups and a lot of other FinTechs that are looking for a financial planning partner to choose Money Guide because of this. The last story, the final story in our roundup for this month, Goldman Sachs launches Marcus Invest. So this is cool. Uh, Goldman 
uh, we all know Goldman, of course, and they've been moving towards the consumer um, market for a number of years. You know, Lloyd Blankfeld, before he left, started this whole process with Marcus, the, the lending platform, and it took off. It was done really well. I think it was 2016 they launched Marcus. And I know, you know, looking at their overall, um, their overall assets or overall revenue, it's a small bit. So it's not a lot. Maybe it's 2%, 3%, but it's growing. And the, the more retail revenue they bring in, the more diversified they become and the happier their shareholders are. So this Marcus Invest is a great idea. Uh, everything's consolidating. Everyone's moving in towards the same all-in-one. We're all going to be like these super apps or as close as we can come to super apps where everything's in one place. We're seeing the robo advisors do it where they're adding banking services into their investing. Uh, so that's better for mint wealth front other firms. We're seeing firms that are lending, start out with lending, then add investing, banking, and uh, you know, savings accounts, checking accounts and investment accounts. That's what Marcus is doing. And, and um, if you have a, a firm called Money Lion, they started out as a lending platform and then added wealth management. Uh, we're seeing banking platforms uh, like Chime and other other uh, online banks and 26 in the UK then expand into wealth. So everyone's sort of consolidating and, and moving towards the same all in one, everything in one place, which makes sense. Consumers don't want to have to do what we used to do where everything's in a separate account. My investments are here and my banking is here and my credit cards are there. Give me everything in one place. In fact, give me all one account. Why can't it be one account? Why do I need a checking account, a savings account, an investment account? You know, part of it's it's part of it is, is is legal. Part of it is is Congress screwing things up as they always do, creating a million different registrations, a million different laws. Uh, so we can't get around that, unfortunately. But we could consolidate these different accounts, or at least make it easier. The so there are firms, you know, there are people I've seen online complaining that uh, Goldman is late to the game. You know, the first one doesn't always win. The first movers don't always win in every industry. What's the famous, uh, I, I, there's a funny saying I like to use, um, which is uh, the early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. So it could be that Goldman has watched what everyone else has done. You know, watched a Vanguard and watched, you know, Betterman and Wealthfront, watched Schwab, JP Morgan, and Morgan Stanley and said, hey, now we've seen what they're doing. We've seen the mistakes they made and we're going to build a better mousetrap. And maybe they can do that. Well, it remains to be seen. Uh, people complaining about their fee. It's too high. It's 35 basis points. We're well fronted better. We're 25. Nobody cares. You know, it's shown, um, I believe, um, if you go to a website, Parameter Insights, or my, my good friend, Josh Book, uh, they've done some surveys on um, investors. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, how uh, price sensitive they are. And when it comes to robo-advisors, they don't really care. 25, 35, it's not that big a deal uh, to, to uh, clients. So it's more of the experience. It's more of, can you bring something differentiated to clients? Can you market it better to the different client segments you're looking for? So I'm really interested to see how they put all this together. You know, they've got high yield, high yield, half a percent. That's called high yield these days. Uh, high yield cash deposits. So they're looking to put the whole package together. And I think they have some, you know, uh, pixie dust from Apple, from their Apple card, that's kind of given them some a little better understanding of how marketing works. And maybe they can link it into that somehow. And maybe they can pull some of the different pieces that maybe other firms are doing 
that they're successful at. You know, I like how Betterment and Wealthfront are doing some of these automated services where they do uh, cash sweeps from your investment from your checking account into your investment account. Uh, maybe they can do things like Acorns does, where they link into other partners. Where, where if as you spend money, uh, money goes into your investment account. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's always possible. I wouldn't be surprised if Goldman does any of these things. They seem to have uh, a good team over there on the retail side. You know, Stephanie Cohen leading the way. Uh, she seems to be a visionary in the market. And as they said in this RIA Biz article, uh, they haven't ruled out. Um, trading, day trading capabilities like a, a, a Robinhood. And why not? You know, um, people want different experiences. Not everyone loves Robinhood. In fact, a lot of people hate Robinhood now. So they're looking for an alternative. And Goldman Sachs is a great name. They could certainly grab some of that business as well. So there you go. That is our summary of the news or my summary of the news. I hope you enjoyed it. We, got, we covered seven stories. Sure, I don't know how long this is. I got to go back and look and see how long. Hopefully it's not too long. And please, if you like it, let me know. Share this online, uh, anywhere you uh, are on social media. Please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and sign up for our newsletter. You will get just one email a month uh, with uh, news and updates and some of our articles and some of my uh, thoughts. Uh, and you really like that. And please give me some feedback. Uh, any thoughts you have, please share them with me on Twitter at Craig Iskowitz or on LinkedIn, just LinkedIn. Great. Talk to you guys all soon.